Welcome to the Great American Collectible Show, seen Wednesdays on the Sports Collectors Daily Facebook page and the Great American Collectibles Facebook page. You can also listen to us on iHeartRadio, Pandora, and Spotify. The Great American Collectibles Show is brought to you by the National Sports Collectors Convention and Sports Collectors Daily. Tonight's headlines are brought to you by Sports Collectors Daily. For all your hobby news, features, and more, go to sportscollectorsdaily.com. And now your host, Tom Zappala and Red Sox Hall of Famer, Rico Petroselli. Who does that? Who, who does the opening? Dan. Danny Welker. Oh. Listen, okay. you know, look, can you give me a little warmth? What do you want? Chris, he said, the, this is ridiculous. He's wearing shorts. Every time I'm on, he wears shorts. And he, look, look. I don't touch your legs. legs out of here. Um, <laughs> what? Who does? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Hi. Welcome so, to the Great American Collectible Show. Tom Zappala, my good friend and paisan, Red Sox Hall of Famer, Rico Petroselli, nice is in the house. We are in Florida, as many of you know. We have a great show today. We've got our good friend Steve Verkman from Clean Sweep Auctions. He's got a blockbuster auction, but we're going to talk. Steve's good. You know why? Mm-hmm. We can talk about anything. No, good. About yeah, what do you mean anything? We can talk about any topic in the world. Oh, oh, that's rela- uh, that that oh, that well, relates to the uh, to the hobby. Oh, oh that's uh, later on in the show. Also, we have Bob Broadwater from Collectibles Insurance Services. You know, we are, we're always stressing you got to have you got to have insurance. Absolutely, for your would, collection. Uh, uh, you're crazy if you don't. Uh, what else do we have? Oh, don't forget, uh, you're watching us on Facebook right now. You can watch us on YouTube. Any of your favorite platforms, uh, uh, Pandora, uh, the girl behind us, don't say her name because she'll go on. Uh, uh, What else? Uh, Spotify, everything. Uh, Your favorite platform, we're on it. But first, before we bring in Steve and chat with him, our headline. This is kind of an interesting one. Uh, I remember this. Young Scott Carter's sports memorabilia collection lives on. 30 years after he passed away at the age of 13 after a three-year battle with bone cancer, Mm -hmm. sports memorabilia collector Scott Carter is still making an impact. The collection of items he obtained from sports superstars is going on display in his hometown of Tulsa, Oklahoma, with the hope of shining a light on pediatric cancer research and providing inspiration for young people. Throughout the duration of his illness, Scott Carter amassed an impressive collection of signed sports memorabilia as famous athletes learned of his fight and his desire to keep adding unique items he could put on display. The boy met many of the athletes who contributed to the special collection that now numbers 300. After 20 years at Walt Disney World and with new items added, the Heroes Collection is returning to Oklahoma. The story from a, uh, the story from a, a television station there is definitely worth the watch. You can go to Sports Collectors Daily for more information. Uh, that's a good story. Oh, it's a great story. Which is segue into uh, you know what we've been talking about on uh, March second down here. Rico and myself are going to be uh, uh, oh. hosting a fundraiser uh, down here at one of the restaurants uh, for Little Smiles. It's a great organization for kids that are very sick and hospice, homeless, and uh, we're asking you if you can make a donation. Just click on the link uh, that we're showing, uh, and uh, I don't care if it's five bucks, twenty bucks, whatever it is. Anything, right? yeah. That's All we're asking is if you can. And by the way, we've had some spectacular items donated to us by a lot of our sponsors because uh, we're going to have a live auction. Yeah, I'm going to be the auctioneer. Oh, you're kidding? Isn't that good? 
Boy, uh, with uh, with your accent, Boston accent. Well, Josh, really Josh Cohen uh, from ESPN, he may be joining me. So oh, we'll that'd say. be nice. All right, let's bring Hope in so. our guest, Steve. Steve Verkman from Clean Sweep Auction. Stephen, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing? Now, you're in a hotel? I am in a hotel. In Can we talk about no, like, what, what town? Anonymous, or? An anonymous state. Right. <laughs> and it sounds like us. <laughs> you must be on the run, right? I'm in hiding. Uh, Steve, before we get into the auction, you know, there's something that I've I've asked a lot of our sponsors uh, and guests over the last several weeks. In your opinion, is the grading process changing or is it my imagination? I mean, it seems as though I've got people complaining, like they've always complained about grading that they should, you know, this was a four, it should have been a five or a six. But then on the other hand, there's a lot of spectacularly high grades coming through. Is is it being is it inconsistent right now in your opinion, or are you happy with it? I mean, I, I just think they're tough as hell. We send cards in, they look like eights and nines, they come back sevens or seven and a halves. I mean, I, I think they're really brutal. I mean, occasionally they'll make a mistake, but you know, a lot of the time you look at these cards and you're like, wow, you know, I think the, overall the trend has been every year, I think they just keep moving the goalposts further and further out. Is our experience? Do so, you do you do you reach back to them or you know say hey you know how can you justify this? Do you guys ever complain? I tried that once or twice. It didn't get any. <laughs> really? Alone. I mean, I don't, I don't. You know, that never really goes anywhere. You just, I just, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll whine and complain in the description in our catalog and our website. You know, I think this is this and this is this. And I mean, true, there's most of the time they get it right, but they're you know on those judgment calls. You know, they're tough, you know, with, whether it's an eight or a seven or a seven and a half. But if something's off two or three grades, there's almost always a yeah. technical. Like you'll get a five and swear it should be an eight and you crack it out. You're like, oh, it's a little crease. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard it to argue because we're sending it to them. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> true. But you know what I mean? I, I mean, still, though, Rick, you know, it's you got to yeah. I mean, you, you are you are walking a fine line. Do you use uh uh, both of the ma the two major uh, third party uh, grading companies, or do you lean towards PSA, or do you use both of them, PSA we and SGC? We use PSA for obviously probably you know ninety five to ninety eight percent of business. We give SGC some stuff. We're happy to sell their cards, their products fine, and we sell Beckett cards too. But when we submit things, you know, we almost always go to PSA because you know whether you like it or don't like it, they're the market leader. Their brand is very powerful. You know, I hate that they raised their prices twenty percent this year in a yeah. tough market. I don't know why that was needed. I didn't see that. I didn't see that coming. I was I was really surprised by that, but you know, this is what it is. You know, and from an investment standpoint, it really is. No matter which, you know, people try to fluff it off, or but. You know, a, a graded card from from PSA is worth more money than yeah. a graded card from SGC if they're on the same level. That's that's the bottom line. I mean, they just have okay. more value. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I, I would want an explanation. I mean, if you're paying for it. They'll tell you to go to hell. What? They're not going to explain anything. Wait, why not? I mean, it's customer I mean, service will try it's to. A, you, you expected an eight and it's a six. I mean, okay, Why? What do you mean? What do you mean? Ask, ask Steve. Steve. He just no, I know, it. but I'm I'm arguing the point that they you should. I I, I guess they don't want everybody. But you know to something, though, Steve. In the old days, not the old days, not too long ago, guys like uh, Dave Steinberger. I mean, when Joe was there, Joe Orlando. At least I think you could reach out to some of those guys, and you'd get some type of an explanation. 
explanation, wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, you, you could do that sometimes. I just, I, I haven't had any luck with that. So I, the few times we've tried, and I'm not going to, you know, yeah. on here. So, you know, it is what it is. But overall, they, they get it right almost all the time. But they're not perfect. But, you know, no one's ever going to be. But I, but I think getting back to your original point, though, I think every, I just feel like every year, they 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 get a little bit stricter, a little bit tougher. But you know, you look at you know, and then you know, one way you can tell, like you look at cards from four years ago or five years ago and a five or a six, and now they'd be a three or a four. You know, the way you you know, because it's really not. I mean, it, it's somewhat of an opinion, but maybe it isn't. There's some you know empirical mm. evidence from looking at the older graded cards and then the ones now, and you're like, wow. So yeah. you know that that's the, trend, that's the trend we see, and you know, you like you, know, you have an older graded card, you're like, ooh, you know what's yeah. up. So, that's true. but I want to. Say, you have a Joe Cronin, nineteen thirty nine. You played with him, didn't you? No, but he was the president of the American League. Lived in Boston because he he played for Ball Hall of Famer. I know his daughter real well, and he would come in. He was a shortstop when I I came in as a shortstop, and he would encourage me. Really, the nicest guy. Oh man, I never forget it. You can imagine as a young a young shortstop. And uh, just a tremendous man. Wait a second. When did Cronin play? He played for the Sox, right? Didn't he? Yeah, play? he was the manager, coach, co uh, player, manager. Player, player manager. Right. Ted played with Ted Williams. That's he he managed Ted, Ted Williams. But so you got a jersey. Nice. Yeah, I mean, this is, I mean, honestly, this is like one of the best things I think we've ever had. A local person knew Joe Cronin. He got the jersey back then. It's completely original. It's graded in nine by mirrors. I mean, this thing is just awesome. Yeah. I mean, yeah. hold this thing up like, wow, you know, pre-war Hall of Famer, completely original jersey, never before been seen by the hobby, completely fresh. And, you know, it, it's just it's just great. So, you know, so far, it's bidding's going pretty well on it. Be interesting to see where it ends up. But right now, it sure seems like a great deal. But, you know, anything can happen with these things, especially memorabilia at the last minute. Things yeah. crazy. Charlie Wagner, who was uh, an old timer at the time, yeah, uh, he told us a story about Joe. When Ted Williams came in with the Red Sox. And uh, these guys, you know, DiMaggio was with, he went to the Yankees and says, if you guys ever throw at his head, this is uh, Ted Williams, he says, number five is going to go down, not just once, but <laughs> many, many times. Really? Yeah, he told them. He says, and they never threw at, you know, at uh, Ted Williams. That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> all right, so you have all kinds of stuff going on. Um, tell us about the Ty Cobb postcard. Yeah, it's a, it's a Dietzka postcard. It's one of those early cards that has what they come two ways. This one has his name on the front. Those are extremely scarce. So it's, it's basically a rookie card, but it was issued over a couple of years. So you can't say it's a hundred percent, but it's like a 1907, 1908, you know, just an awesome Ty Cobb early piece that, you know, rookie era, you know, Ty Cobb card. So very popular and, and really scarce with the you know, variation on it. You know, it's funny. I was reading an article about uh, what uh, what 2024 is looking like for the hobby and what mm -hmm. 2023, some of the results of 2023. Yeah. And vintage, vintage pretty much held its own. I mean, uh, you know, vintage car, I mean, it was down maybe just a, a smidgen, but overall, the vintage market uh, was fairly strong when the modern market uh, was down like 30 or 40%, Steve. Um, did you see that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think what's happening is, you know, people are becoming more discriminating. If you have something really great, really rare, really special, the bidding goes crazy. Things that have been on the market are not been on the market, like in a long time or ever. We get a huge response to it. But I think 
honestly, and I say this as an auctioneer, there's too many auctions selling too much stuff. A lot of it's replicative. I think yeah. you're nuts to let them have 15, 53 mantles in one auction. And it depresses the whole market. It's great for the auctioneers, but there's just too much stuff being sold too quickly. That's very, you know, the uh, same sort of stuff. Generic. You know, you know what else I'm seeing? And I agree with hundred percent with you, but you know, you know yeah. what I'm seeing also, I'm seeing, um, items being repeated more often. So in other words, if you put a, a, a Joe Smith card in a particular auction, somebody wins it four months later, You'll see that card in somebody else's auction. That seems to be happening more and more today. Is that my imagination? I, I don't follow the other auction houses too much. I was too busy for, for better or worse. Sure. You're, you're probably right. And in many cases, that means the item probably didn't even sell. But, you know, yeah, I, I just can speak for our customers and our customer base. They hate when stuff was in another auction. Like when I'm at a show and someone wants to consign something or I want to buy something, I'm like, listen, has it been in another auction? Like over the weekend, someone had at a show, someone had a really, really cool Joe DiMaggio autograph, a really early one, but it was just in another auction a few months before. So it's hard, you know. Exactly. Then then the the bidders will, will reasonably ask, did it really sell? What was the last price to have it on the market? Now, if it's off the market a few years, we get it. But, you know, I think overall, I mean, but that being said, we keep adding new customers. You know, last year was honestly the best year we ever had. I mean, so the market overall was wonderful, but it, it's adjusting. So people want, you know, it's almost like what people want what they can't have. They want stuff they don't see anywhere else. Right. And they fight like hell for it at auction. Like one mm. thing we have in our auction, we have like a hundred lots of this amazing non-sports collection. And it's really goofy stuff. I, I like, saw that. <laughs> I mean, you guys know, you get some really cool stuff in there. Some very, very cool stuff. Um a lot of entertainment signed pieces. I, I think that's oh, cool, it's, man. It's, uh, well, there's like these these weird cards of I shouldn't say weird cards, but there's stuff you don't see, like these horror cards and monster cards and these sets from the early sixties. And they're getting tons and tons of bids. Some of them have ten and twenty bids per lot with a week to go. So there's the monsters. Been- no, yeah, there's a lot of collectors in that stuff. Uh, 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 was it something of wars? Uh, I mean, all kinds of stuff. Uh, horror the world. That one is. Yeah. We have that set too. Yeah, that's War a Wars. that's a funny set because you, you know you you know the, the Hitler cards are the most valuable cards, and I won't picture them on our website. I right, uh, I'll describe them, and I won't put them on there. And the time that that was a you know the time that was the fifty two tops and the T two hundred six of non sport cards. It used to be a ten thousand dollars set. Now things have changed. But to be fair, the set critiques war doesn't glorify it. But you know you know it's it's a tough thing that that set, but. You know, anyway, just there's these, these things you just haven't been on the market before and these very unusual things. And, and we get just, you know, huge response to it. So it's it's fun to see the unopened stuff also seems to be strong. We have, a you know, one of our better sections, we have 25 or 30 really good boxes and cases going back to like 1977 tops for wax box. And we're getting a lot of action on those. Very two. cool. Very a lot, cool. A lot, of, a lot yeah. of new bidders buying that stuff. That's what you're not. We are chatting with Steve Berkman from Clean Sweep Auctions. Uh, he's going to be with us for the whole hour, Great. but right now, Rico, yeah. it's a very, very, very important part of the show. Yeah, right. It's time for our segment, On Deck with Rico. Your questions answered. On Deck with what? Rico Patricelli. Hey, what's that? What the hell's wrong with you? No, I, didn't, I, I don't recall hearing that before. 
the introduction for couple the of, little that's a little munchkin in it a couple of midgets we hide that's what i thought right. yeah what the hell all right listen it's time for our segment on deck with rico brought to us each week by our good friend brian dwyer and the great staff at rea auctions tough, tough. don't forget to get your bid in by going to robert edward auctions.com that's robert edward auctions for extraordinary results and extraordinary service and steve by the way i'm going to ask rico the question that was submitted and uh, feel free to jump in. This was submitted by Tom Knott, K-N-O-T-T, Tom Knott. Is he real? <laughs> Rico. Yeah. Who are two of the most underrated pitchers, in your opinion, of your time? Uh, my time. That's that's really <laughs> tough. It really is. Because, you know, hitters, I, I might hit a particular pitcher real well, but almost the rest of the team won't, you yeah. know. Stuff like that. But Mickey Lolich, I thought, was underrated. He was well-known. He was a heck of a pitcher. And, um, you know, he, he had a great year. In he had 120 games, didn't he? Yeah, 68. He uh, in the World Series. I think he hit a grand slam or home run. Anyway, <clears throat> he was a heck of a pitcher. Uh, left hand. I hit left hand is pretty, pretty well. And, boy, he had a slider that would come into your hands. And very tough to get the head of the bat out, and yep. uh, and a great competitor, and uh, used to tease him. You know, he was kind of overweight, yeah, but he was uh, a little pudgy. It proved that you don't have to be being well, great. Well, was too. Oh, a lot of guys. Right. Uh, what the heck? All right, so so, so yeah, Mickey Lowe is really good stuff. Great sinker, uh, low nine ninety three or so. You know, and then that uh, great uh, that slider, nasty. The other guy was Mike Quayar. Okay, this again is my opinion. He he pitched on the Orioles when he was on the Orioles. He had some great years, and he threw slow, slower, and slowest. Really, he was he was a, just when Bo George Scott came back, struck out and said, "Boomer, what's he look like?" First time we said, he says, well, "He's slow, slower, and slowest." He threw. <laughs> <laughs> but, but wait a second. So, but why was but, he so successful? Because everybody was, you know, off kilter. You couldn't. He throws slow, right? Then the next one was, all right, you're going to wait, 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 and it's slower. And you're still out there. Then the third one, my God, how can you? He, it was incredible. How'd you do against him? Decent. Not not great. And what about against uh, Mickey Lowell? Uh Yes, that's right. <laughs> okay. Had a lot of success, did you? No, uh, yes and no. Go ahead, Steve. Rico, who was your favorite pitcher to hit against? Favorite? Oh, boy. Robin Roberts. Yeah, Robin. Yeah, Robin Roberts when he was uh, 112. Was <laughs> yeah. No, who was your favorite pitcher? Well, I hit Stottlemyre good, and there's a couple of other pitchers, but um, you hit Jim Papa pretty good, didn't you? No, not well. I got some hits. I hit a couple of home runs off him, but he was tough. Boy, how about uh, the knuckleballs? Knuckleballs, I. Uh, I could hit well. Yeah. yeah really. Uh, uh, Joe Necro, Phil Necro. Yeah. Well, Phil, Phil was tougher. We had a, Joe was a little easier to hit. But uh, yeah, uh, I, I could wait on the ball pretty good. So. Good. All right. Listen, we have about a minute and a half, Steve. Quick. I mean, we, and then we'll obviously get back to you. Uh, talk about real quickly the O'Hara and Demet T206s, man. Killer cards, two killer cards. 
Yeah, they're the keys to the set, you know, assuming you yeah. know, Otis Wagner. Everybody needs them for their sets. They're both like nice collector grade cards. They display well. They got a lot of good bids so far. You know, those are just great cards. You know, they're anchor cards for the, you know, what many say is the ultimate baseball card set. So you can never go wrong with those. Those are two cards I never owned. Yeah, can I, I ask have, you a question? We have time? Uh, we have about uh, half a minute. Oh, but I, I'll wait a little Yeah, let's do this. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, Steve is in the house, Steve Berkman. Uh, we're going to come back also with another Gax moment. So hang Ooh. in there. We will be all right. You ever hear of a Gax moment? Uh, Don't start. Hi, this is Rico Petroselli. Right now, thousands of children are facing the most difficult times in their lives with serious illness, homelessness, and other tragedies. I hope that you can join us on March 2nd at the County Line Restaurant in Juno Beach, Florida for a live auction and some great baseball talk. If you can't join us, please consider a donation to littlesmilesfl.org. That's littlesmilesfl.org to help these kids. And when you donate, please mention the Great American Collectibles Show. We hope you'll help. Since 1996, Brian Drent and the staff at Denver's Mile High Card Company have led the charge in the collectibles hobby. Mile High is a full-service dealer specializing in buying and selling cards and offers a competitive consignment program for all collectors. Whether it be their computerized want list service, appraisals, or auction services, Mile High has it all. If you've been searching for a company with a selection of high-grade vintage 1888 to 1970 baseball cards and memorabilia that shares your passion, aim high, Mile High. Go to milehighcardco.com or call 303-840-2784 for more information. This is Brian Drent, president of Mile High Card Company. Is your sports card and memorabilia collection properly insured? For easily replaced personal property, homeowner's insurance is all most people need. But for prized possessions that you may have spent a lifetime collecting, it doesn't go nearly far enough. Collectibles Insurance Services has been insuring for over 50 years. They offer a full range of protection and a $0 deductible at an affordable rate with no appraisals required. I know because they insure my collection. If you have a minute, go to collectinsure.com and learn more about insuring your personal card or memorabilia collection. Hi, this is Dan from Memory Lane Auctions here to remind you that the renowned Memory Lane Collectibles Company has served as a beacon of light to the collecting community for the past several decades. Indeed, folks, it has been our utmost privilege and pleasure to provide the most enthusiastic collectors with an abundance of the finest sports cards and memorabilia for America's most coveted sports personalities via our world-class auctions. Whether you choose either a private sale transaction or the auction route, Memory Lane cordially invites you to reach out to us to maximize the value of your prized possessions. Also, it is not just sales that we pride ourselves on being the best of the rest, because if you are seeking a particular keepsake for your esteemed gathering, we will be relentless in our quest to find that special piece to fulfill your collecting dreams. So no time to wait. Reach out to us today for the purposes of capitalizing on our unparalleled marketing capabilities. Simply pick up the phone and dial 877-606-5263. That's 877-606-LANE or find us on the World Wide Web at www.memorylaneinc.com. Now is the time for your valued consignment to ultimately become another one of Memory Lane's record-setting prices. 
How would you like to own the bat that was used by your favorite player when he hit that towering home run or game-winning base hit? Now look no further than JT Sports, specializing in the sale and authentication of professional game-used bats. As the official authenticators of professional model game-used bats for PSA DNA, JT Sports will guarantee the authenticity of any bat purchased from them. JT Sports also buys and sells game-worn uniforms, gloves, and baseball equipment. The unique quality of the collectible is what JT Sports is all about. Give them a call at 609-487-8003 or check them out at GameUseBats.com. Okay, we are back. Uh, On Thursday, January 18th, Memory Lane opened one of their most prestigious auctions ever, a premier collection of 120 PSA high-grade sports cards for an abundance of sports' greatest legends. Commencing this world-class event is a PSA 7 T206 green cob, great card, followed by a PSA 8 T204 Ramley Walter Johnson, and a PSA 9 1952 Bowman Mickey Mantle. The laundry list of baseball icons spans over a century of time, also including packed fresh marbles of Aaron, Mays, Robinson, Williams, Clemente, Berra. There's a whole bunch of them. A majority of these pristine-like offerings reflect PSA 8 and 9 assessments with more than 20 cards boasting perfect 10s. Ending on Saturday, February 3rd, this sports card extravaganza. This is a book. I'm trying to read this. This book. This sports card extravaganza stands as another profound example of how Memory Lane continues to proudly provide the collecting community with a seemingly infinite selection of finest cards on the planet. Guys from Memory Lane, they love us. Thank God. <laughs> February third, it enters. Make sure you check them out. Jeez, uh, that's pretty. Good. That's pretty good. Oh man, I'll tell you, they are they are good people. They're great people. We okay, hope, we hope they're still with us. Welcome to another Gax moment, brought to you by a good friend, Paul Borges and PB Collectibles, your neighborhood card shop. Go to pbcollectibles.com to find that special card or piece of memorabilia. A few weeks ago, Dan Wilkin from Memory Lane Auctions asked Rico a question. When did he realize that he really loved baseball? Rico gave his answer, but his answer told a lot more about the environment that he grew up in and how that all changed. This is a little different Gax moment, but hang in there now and give a listen. It's pretty good. That's a good question because I uh, my number one sport was basketball at a very young age, you know, five, six, seven years old. Because it was all you needed was a basketball, and you know, it was not expensive. But the big thing was that my family moved from one section, Italian section, where there was very volatile. There was a lot of uh, mob stuff, the mob stuff, and all that. Guys getting <clears throat> killed every other day, and blah blah bing. And uh, so we fought a lot. Kids there, you know, young guys are always fighting. So we moved to an area that was uh, predominantly Jewish, and but mixed, you know, certain areas. And uh, so one day uh, in this, we, we moved right next to a schoolyard, you know, the school I went to. And we had the schoolyard. So went to school. We had this uh, this time, free time. Uh, everybody went to the 
to the uh, schoolyard and played. So I had this pink, you know, uh, spalding we used to call a ball. And I was throwing it up, throwing it up, trying to get higher and higher. And then when one time it came down, hit off my hand and started rolling. And this other kid went after the ball. I thought he was going to take the ball and take off. That's because of where you came from. Right. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. And so I ran at the kid and he had the ball and I went and <laughs> I punched him. I'm sorry. I punched the kid and, you know, it was like, what are you trying to do? Steal my ball? No, no, no. And one another kid came over to me, Bob, Bobby Silverman. Silverman, he's passed away since then. But Bob was said, hey, what are you doing? I said, what do you mean what I'm doing? He's trying to take my ball. He says, no, we don't do that. He wasn't trying. He was trying to get you the ball to bring it back. I said, well, I don't know about that. He says, you want to play ball? I said, yeah, you know, my father's a coach of a youth team, like a little league, 12 years old. I said, uh, I don't know. So he gave me a uniform and I put it on and looked at it. I said, hey, that's cool, man. You know, <laughs> so I said, yeah, I'll play. Where do you play? What position? I don't know. You know, I'll, I'll pitch, you know, I'll play somewhere. So I started pitching. That was the beginning wow. of my baseball uh, career. Wow. Really. Sp Very cool. Very, very cool. Uh, you know, Rick, um, that 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 tells the whole story about your, you know, you really, really love the game and how you got started. Yeah, absolutely. I, I never would. I, my dream was basketball, playing college basketball, maybe pros and stuff like that. And then I was asked, you want to try try baseball? My father's a coach. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, sure. I'll try. And that was it. Got to love baseball. Did your parents... Uh, I know. Uh, you, did they go to your games, like your high school games in basketball and baseball? Not my mother and father. My brothers. Your brothers did. Yeah, I have yeah. four brothers. Yeah. But you know, everybody has a story like that. Things change in their life. I'm not, you know, and uh, things happen like that. It's interesting to to look back. And Absolutely. See. Now, I have a question for, for Steve. Yeah, Steve. <clears throat> this is not really about. Uh, I was curious as to how you started in collecting did you collect as a youngster tell us a little bit about you yeah sure i'm so I, I grew up as a huge baseball fan so i was like five or six years old and my grandfather who i was very very close to you know saw babe ruth and lou gehrig play so when i was nine years old i knew who dizzy dean was and babe ruth and lou gehrig and willie keeler and all those guys so yeah. so i started like i might remember buying like in when i was nine years old in 1979 going to a show and seeing a 1969 johnny bench card with the trophy on it and i was wow. so awesome so where i grew up in, where i grew up in queens we were not allowed to be yankee fans in our neighborhood if you wanted a mickey mantle card it, it, hank aaron and willie mays are worth five times mickey mantle we were nationally yeah. fans. We were yeah. just that's right. Yeah, going out. So the, the senior, the senior circuit. So I didn't have any metal cards growing up. Never did. So in my neighborhood, believe it or not, we we collected the older cards too. We were huge baseball fanatics. We we go to we would go to games and do everything. So I started buying and selling this stuff. Like I mean, it's crazy. At eleven or twelve years old, and my first show was senior year in high school, and I was eighteen. And I had a homemade to make a showcase from wood from scratch. Got have the money to buy a real one. See, and that's that's a lot of fun. That's a great there. story, though. Steve. Yeah, yeah. Steve, do you do you still? I mean, I know. I mean, it's amazing how much goes through your hands as far as cards and memorabilia. Do you still collect? Uh, do you have a personal collection still? I, I do. I collect, you know, really weird and goofy stuff. So I don't have any 
PSA mantle cards or sets. I have I collect Cincinnati Red stuff. I collect Hank Greenberg stuff, and I collect you know unusual things that I like. Things we don't you know that you don't see that often. Things that are neat. Like I a couple of years ago, I added a Charles Darwin autograph to my collection. That came in. I was like, oh, it's just too cool. I can't sell that. I this, <laughs> you, would, you would love this. I have this amazing eleven by fourteen sepia photo of Ted Williams fly casting or something, and oh, it has wow. a signed in fountain pen with like five lines of text. You know, original photo. I came in a collection. I was like, oh, I have to keep that. Because yeah. I remember 1990, I met Ted Williams, and he was so nice to me. So I always remember that forever. So I have the autograph he signed for me. So I like Ted Williams stuff, you know. So, yeah, it's not just a business for me. I collect, too. But, like, yeah. esoteric things, unusual yeah. things. Um, That's great. great. You have a night. This is, this is right up your alley. You have a oh. 1967 complete tops set. Tell us about 90 of them are graded. Yeah, it's a, it's a super sharp shed. So it was, it's an interesting story. So it was an engineer for like, I think Boeing was really, 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 you know, hardcore with getting really sharp cards. And he went card by card, getting the hardest thing he could get. I know he graded it with SDC instead of PSA, but the cards are really, really nice. These cards are great. So it's one of the sharpest 67 sets we've seen. These are all, you know, it's a gorgeous near mint to near mint to mint set. But for but one thing for your, for your uh, viewers that, that maybe the most, you know, next to the Joe Cronin thing, some of the most unique items in the auction we have, which are just so rare, 1910 M110 Sporting Life Cabinets. These have a great Great cards. Hardly ever see these. Now, one of them, there's a Honus Wagner in there, and it's interesting. It's it's it was PSA did authentic altered, and I got this card 25 years ago from there was a collector. I, I don't want to say his name, but he was a legend in the New York area. This guy he, he sold light bulbs, and he would travel around the country. We became buddies. I was like his mini protege. Uh, the similar oh. business and every city he would go to in the 70s he'd hit up the local card store or a bookstore and he'd have the most amazing stuff he would find a lot of it garbage <laughs> but then also yeah. <laughs> also amazing things like why did you buy this oh i don't know and then he'd have like unbelievable stuff so he had that honus wagner and he bought it like in 1975 or something and it's kind of a little bit short I have a feeling that the card's good. And it was just a factory specification thing back in 1910. Sure. He, he probably bought that thing for like $20 in 1975. And I really don't think anyone was trimming cars back then, especially a you know a cabinet that was that big. So we have um we have four of the six from the set. So we have we have that where there's a Lazuay, there's a chance. I mean, it, so those are really great awesome. cards. They're beautiful, beautiful cards. And mm -hmm. they're, they're oversized. They're, they're just a it's a great. That's they look like art pieces. That's what they look like. Yeah, they, they really do. I mean, uh, they're they're beautiful. Um, Steve, you have a uh, a Ruth exhibit card, also, don't you? Yeah, we have a 1921 exhibit Babe Ruth card. That's that's a classic. We also have a Harrington's Ruth. Dollar wise, the biggest one we have a 33 Gaudi Ruth number 149 in SGC five. And you know, as everyone knows, you know, they are hard to get in fives. You know, so so that's a big card. So that you know, that's in there. And then in terms of um. One really cool story in law. There's two things you, you'll really get a tickle out of. So I got two fun things. So some people come to a show a few months ago, and their father was a realtor, and they sold Lou Gehrig. Lou Gehrig bought a house for them for his mother. And Lou Gehrig was famously frugal and didn't want to spend money. So right. they signed, so Gehrig signed the business card of the realtor. So we have that at the auction. It's oh, so wow. Hey, that's uh, cool. They had it, it like 80 years, and uh, they're up in Westchester. So we have that. And then oh, this is like a crazy thing, but somebody got – we have the phone from Ebbets Field. I saw that. On it, it has, the, has the return number. It came from a really advanced Dodger collection. Like one of these things wow. like, oh, my God, what a crazy item. I mean, but those are, those are kind of like what you're saying. Those are kind of cool items to collect. 
You know what I mean? Kind of off the wall things, but that that have have some meaning and some provenance. You look at, uh, Dodger fans in those days. I was a kid. I mean, when they left, I mean, the people went wild. But when they were still there, people loved them, even though they called them the bums. You know, the people loved them. Were you when they moved? You, when they I left, was, you had you had already left, right? No. You were there when they left? Yeah, they left in what, 58 or 57? So when did they knock down the stadium? Oh, a couple of years later, they made apartments, high-rise. Because I was was wondering if, I mean, you know, with with the memorabilia world being as it is, did they sell off stuff, you know? That I don't know. Steve, do you know? The seats exist. They went upstate. Stadium seats almost never get thrown out. They went they, from one point. They weren't even worth anything. They went somewhere in the Catskills and like a skating rink or something. Now they're probably oh, way back when. No, oh. people, stadium seats are a funny thing because it wouldn't make any sense. Someone will take it and use it somewhere else. They rarely ever got thrown out. And the collectors would trace. The guys are really into this. We had a big collection of them once. They would know exactly the history of where they went from what to what to what. And then they would try to buy some. But no, they didn't throw out the, the seats. But everything else probably got destroyed. You know, it's it's like an interesting story. Uh, I'm I'm going back about 20 years ago. Uh, You know, my family uh, has a business in the greater Boston area. And we had gone out to a Boston University. Mm -hmm. Uh, Guy's name was Phil DiCarlo. Phil was the director of facilities. He was a good friend. And uh, took us out to Nicholson Nicholson Stadium, which is the old Braves field. Boston Braves. And the only thing that was left is the facade to Nicholson to Nicholson Stadium. It's still there. Oh, so really? when you go into the stadium, the facade to Boston to Braves Field is there. But then he took us down into the bowels of uh of uh, Stadium, Nickerson State. There was some really cool yeah. stuff. Uh, a couple of the offices were still there that they were being used. All the old urinals. Uh, you know, that were they I mean, they, yeah. they were all they had kept them all yeah. kind of it was really eerie. Well, yeah, it must but be. it was cool. It was cool to walk. Well, through. when we get back, we'll uh, check that facade. Maybe we'll get uh, one of those uh, saws and <laughs> take it with take us. It, take it with us, <laughs> really. Um, Steve, let's talk about uh, you have a 51 Bowman mantle and a 51 Bowman maze. What kind of condition are they in? They're collector grade, which I think in this market is perfect. So it's an attract. The mantle's an attractive one. It's got good centering. You know, it's just a really nice card for the grade. The maze we just is freshly graded by PSA. It's a really nice three uh, collector. Got that about thirty years ago, and, and we got it graded for him. So it's a really nice, you know, really nice looking cards. You can never go wrong with those. You know, they're classic cards for some reason, which seems really I can't explain. And some of them have actually gone down a little of the mana rookies in the last five months, which you always think of this one card that's like the rock solid. I can't, I can't, I can't wrap my, I can't put my finger on the pulse there. And I totally agree with you. I, I, it happened to me. I had, uh, I had two, uh, not high grade. One was a four I still have. And one was a two that I sold to a private. I wasn't, I mean, I couldn't. I wound up selling it for uh, about uh, two thousand dollars less than I paid for it, and I was I was disappointed. I was I was disappointed. It seems as though that card has you know it, it picks up a head of steam, then it staggers a little bit, you know. So a logo, a, a, like a, a what is the grade uh, two, the one that you're selling? This, one, this, one's a, this one's a one, which might actually be better because I was going to say that that's a that's a that's a good card to buy at that price. That's yeah. a good card to buy. 
I mean, the thing is, what I don't understand is, I mean, we all get the 52 tops card and all that, but you can't call it a rookie card. Mantle played in 1951. He was in the World Series. You know, and, and nobody calls the 52 tops maze the rookie card. But they call it. I, I know that. And I, I, you know, I don't get that. I, there's you know? no, there's no, I, I don't know. I don't have an answer for you. I mean, I think it has to do with that. It was the first tops issue, number one. They are a more colorful card. I mean, compared to two cards, I mean, the 52 Mantle is a much prettier card but what do you think do you think that maybe uh 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 uh, mr mint's find had something to do with it uh as as the years progressed with with the mantle find i mean i don't i don't have my hand my finger on it either i don't know it's just hobby culture you know that but it's not it's not a rookie card like like people used to think the t206 was the hornet's wagner rookie card it's like he played for 10 years before that you know those it's a rookie card and then this because you know and like another one like i don't know if you ever touched one years ago i made a mistake with this the t206 quote ty cobb with the ty cobb back actually it actually has gloss on the front it's really a t213 type 2 i totally dropped the ball and who selling one privately because i got scared because I was like, why does it have gloss on it? A T206 can't have gloss. It actually really shouldn't be a T206. It, it really, well, again, there's two schools of thought there, and I totally agree with you. Uh, the real purists don't refer to it as a T206, but then you've got you've got a, a large segment of the population, a hobby population, that does refer to it as a T206, and I agree, it's not. It is absolutely not. You can't have gloss. Uh, one, that's the only card to have gloss on Because if you touch the card, it's, it's really, you don't, probably telling a holder but when you touch it in hand like it scared the hell out of me and i i you know i blew a deal you know many years ago decades ago with that because it scared me because how many people have actually touched the card yeah. But yeah they become famous and they they hold a certain way but um yeah so the other stuff with our auction we have a there's a thousand lots big variety of collecting budgets from affordable things to you know high-end things there's a lot of autographs there's a lot of memorabilia sets, single cards you know there's a real a really nice mix probably the most balanced option we've ever had from yeah you've got some he's got some great stuff oh yeah i mean it's just the things that we talked about what's the uh, what's your website people can get to you all right so it's it's for the auction oh thank you it's a clean sweep auctions.com that's clean sweep auctions.com just make sure the auction ends on wednesday january 31st you have to have your first bid in by eight o'clock we do use the 10 minute rule the whole auction ends at the same time so it'll go a little late you know make sure to read our rules but you have to have your first bid in by eight o'clock wednesday january 31st course Mm -hmm. registration is free you have any questions let us know we're happy to help you with anything we are chatting with Steve Berkman from Clean Sweep Auctions. We got about a minute and a half in this segment, Steve. Steve, what are your thoughts? And I've asked everybody this question: these influences that you see, these guys that are, that call themselves influences on on all the uh, the different platforms, uh, recommending cards to buy. I think it's all a scam. I don't believe any of them. I think those guys are all. A lot of them are on the payrolls of bigger companies, and these modern kids card kids uh are listening to them any thoughts on that i hate to say it i really i really don't have any uh, I, don't, I don't really follow that stuff i i would i would i would just be very skeptical of people giving you unsolicited financial advice you know what what you know, maybe they're they're telling you to buy a card because they have 50 of them or 10 of them you know i i would just you know be worried about conflicts of interest but i don't I, you know, i'm kind of a dinosaur we don't too much on social media or follow that stuff. We just were kind of well, meeting. I, I would suggest you stick to what you're doing then. Yeah. <laughs> it's I mean, crazy. It's just, yeah. All right, listen, we're going to take a quick break. We come back. 
Uh, I think we're going to bring, if he's here, Bob Broadwater from Collectibles Insurance Services. You got to have, you got to have insurance. Steve's going to be be with us uh, right to the end. Hang in there. We'll be right back. Pristine Auction is a family-owned and operated online auction specializing in autographed memorabilia, sports cards, coins, art, and collectibles. Since their founding in 2010, they've grown to two facilities in Phoenix, Arizona, totaling over 60,000 square feet. Jared Cavalli and an incredible staff of over 150 team members serve a very large customer base and enjoy every minute of it. By working with leading authentication companies, Pristine ensures all items are 100% authentic. In addition, third-party authenticators regularly travel to Pristine Auction to provide authentication services on-site. Pristine Auction strives to operate its business in a way that's honoring to God, their families, and their customers. With a strong focus on speed, quality, and premier customer service, their mission is to be the leading online auction for every level of collector and fan. Pristine also works for Hope Sports and Identity Hoops International, traveling to Mexico to build houses for the less fortunate. Pristine Auction offers several online auction formats with thousands of auctions ending each day. For more information, go to pristineauction.com. That's Pristine Auction, the best in the business. If you're a discerning collector interested in owning the most important pieces in the hobby, look no further than Leland's Auctions. The original sports auction and appraisal house, Leland's was established in 1985 by legendary pioneer founder, Joshua Leland Evans. And today, President Mike Hefner carries on the tradition. From the Tom Brady card and memorabilia collection, to the famed Boston Garden auction, to high-end card auctions from every major sport. Leland's has always maintained the highest standards. Go to Leland's.com and get your bid in. That's Leland's, the hobby's leading sports auction house for four decades. It's often been said that championships are won on the practice field, and world records come only to those willing to work harder than everybody else. Heritage Auctions is the world's largest collectibles auctioneer, because we believe that becoming the best is only an invitation to the challenge of remaining the best. This requires the skills of the hobby's top experts, capable of identifying and maximizing value for our consigners. It requires the most visited website in the industry, courting a global audience of collectors over a million and a half strong. It requires a dedicated press department that expands our global reach far beyond the entrenched hobby marketplace. It's hard work, but a simple premise. Present the finest collectibles to the largest population of potential buyers, and world records will come. We invite all listeners to put the unmatched power of Heritage Auctions to work for you. Auction evaluations are always free, and our commission-based fee structure ensures that our interests are always aligned. The highest possible price for your collectibles. There will always be new world records to chase, so let's chase them together. Visit our website at ha.com and request your no-obligation review today. Are you a collector looking for that rare trading card or autograph ball or photo? If so, then PB Collectibles in Newport is the place for you. PB Collectibles has graded cards, raw cards, complete sets, and wax boxes of the stars of the future, today, and from the past. We also offer a large selection of both vintage and modern cards. So whether you're looking to add to your collection or sell it, visit us at PB Collectibles, 269 Spring Street in Newport, located across from St. Mary's Church. 
We are your neighborhood card shop and much more. Hi, this is Dan from Memory Lane Auctions here to remind you that the renowned Memory Lane Collectibles Company has served as a beacon of light to the collecting community for the past several decades. Indeed, folks, it has been our utmost privilege and pleasure to provide the most enthusiastic collectors with an abundance of the finest sports cards and memorabilia for America's most coveted sports personalities via our world-class auctions. Whether you choose either a private sale transaction or the auction route, Memory Lane cordially invites you to reach out to us to maximize the value of your prized possessions. Also, it is not just sales that we pride ourselves on being the best of the rest, because if you are seeking a particular keepsake for your esteemed gathering, we will be relentless in our quest to find that special piece to fulfill your collecting dreams. So no time to wait. Reach out to us today for the purposes of capitalizing on our unparalleled marketing capabilities. Simply pick up the phone and dial 877-606-5263. That's 877-606-LANE. Or find us on the World Wide Web at www.memorylaneinc.com. Now is the time for your valued consignment to ultimately become another one of Memory Lane's record-setting prices. Hey, I'm Mike Petroselli. If your company is looking for the best in marketing and promotional items, you'll hit a home run with Petroselli Marketing. With over 8,000 suppliers and 650,000 imprint-ready items, we can get your company the visibility it needs to get your maximum exposure. Whether it be office promotions, wearables, automotive, sports items, and everything in between, Petroselli Marketing can do it all. Our design staff will even work with you from concept to delivery and customize your products. At Petroselli Marketing Group, we will get your brand in front of your audience. Contact us at info at PetrocelliMKT.com or call us at 603-880-3202. That's Petrocelli Marketing, where no dream is impossible. Don't forget uh, Petrocelli Marketing, always on time. <laughs> They're always on time or else I give my kid a beating. Uh, <laughs> no, he's too big. That's but uh, nationwide, by the way, uh, it, it, you know, we're trying to, I'm trying to get the, uh, our auction uh, house guys, because does they give, you know, the giveaways yeah. with the logo on it, it does all that stuff. You know, you could lay a few pens on me or something. You yeah. Cheap I will. No, I'll get your silly pens. Yeah. We got them. Right. We got them. Right. Sure. We are back. And, uh, Bob Broder, Bob Broadwater from collectibles insurance services is in the house with us now. Bob, how are you? Good. How are you doing? Good to see Good. you guys. Say, hey, Bob. say hi to uh, Steve Berkman from Clean Sweep Auctions. Cle uh, Steve's been with us for the whole show. Listen, right out of the gate, Bob, we, tr mm -hmm. we try to stress all the time yeah. how important is it for hobbyists and collectors to have their stuff insured. It's very important. Your typical homeowner's or renter's policy is going to provide very little or minimal coverage for your for your collections. And certainly not up to the current current market value. Bob, I would, I want to, is there a minimum worth of the of the collection, uh, or can you you know be I don't know worth very little and still still get? Uh, uh, yeah, is there, is there a minimum value? Yeah, about a thousand dollars. We'll okay. we'll break yeah. that for. But we insure policyholders from from a from a few thousand all the way up to to a million yeah. plus. So we have a pretty wide appetite for for. The high end stuff as well. 
Does your collection have to be appraised? Uh, you know, people have asked us that question. I mean, do, if I have a hundred items, do I have to list them and send them to you? How, how does it typically work? So our, our agents, our sales team has been, you know, our company was founded by collectors for collectors. So they're very good at working with customers to understand what they have. If you have any individual items worth 25000 or more, we ask for details and approximate value. We'll schedule them on the policy. Items under 25000 we just provide what's called blanket coverage. Those items, um, we ask the insurance to maintain pictures, any transactional records, and their inventory list. So should a loss happen, there's clear documentation. But no, they don't have to uh, contact us on any items unless those items are 25000 or more for us to add to the policy. Steve, by the way, jump in. Any questions that you may have? I mean, I'm assuming, Steve, that uh, your personal collection, that you have insurance? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I have insurance. That in my, do you do dealers as well, or do you just do collectors? We do dealers as well. Um, and, and to answer the prior question, we don't require appraisals. Um, but yes, we'll, we'll insure dealer inventory. It's a good point. Some Oftentimes, the standard business owner policy uh, won't provide the same level of coverage we are able to for the inventory. And some of the attractive features we offer is coverage is extended uh, to the transit and uh, shipping exposures as well. That's huge. That's very big. Um, hey, you know, Bob, I uh, at least once a year, and I, you know, this is something that I really uh, appreciate. If you add to your collection, you can increase your policy at any time. Just pick up the phone, let them mm -hmm. know that uh, I want to increase it by X amount of dollars. So I've done that uh, twice this year with you guys. And it's, uh, you know, it's very, very convenient. Send us some paperwork and you're off and running, you know. What type yeah. of things you cover? I mean, Joe, you, you have a list. Uh, there's floods. You have flood coverage. We, um, unless it's a coastal risk, we will cover uh, fire, theft, accidental breakage, Water loss, if it's a pipe burst, flood, um, yeah. other than coastal areas. And um, as I mentioned, the, the shipping damage to or from is a big one. Yeah. What if That's something great. gets lost in the mail? I, let's say that I, uh, I, I win something on a clean sweep auctions auction, and they send it to me like the, like the, the correct way, but it, somehow it gets lost or it gets stolen. Um, is, uh, what happens there? So if the customer never gets receipt of the item, it's covered. We see we see loss in the mail quite often. We do ask our customers um, if they're sending something or they order something and it can be received uh, with signature required and tracking. That just helps our claim process and it provides a higher level of coverage. If it's never received or breaks in the mail, uh, it's covered. Awesome. Do they have to be... Uh the customer ha has to have their collection in a safe. Do you require that? Uh, we don't require a safe okay. standard. However, there are, if it's high-valued items, we will ask the customer if they have a central station alarm, if they do have a oh. safe to keep it in. So there have been instances with some high-valued items. We've gone yeah. that step, but that's that's the exception. So, no, not required. So basically, I better keep it out of my shoebox. That's right. You're not kidding. Do it. Really. Um, Steve, I, I wanted to ask you, uh, uh, while, while Bob is here, um, do you recommend insurance to your customers um, you know, in the course of conversation? 
It doesn't come up that often, but it's you know it's usually a good idea. But everyone's everyone has their own you know position on what they want to do and how much they want to spend and everything. But you know, as a dealer, of course, we have insurance; we have to have it. But you know, it doesn't. It comes up, and not not as often as you might think. I mean, it comes. You know, when it comes up, it's weird when when it shouldn't. Like someone dies and they have a collection, and they're going to have it for six months or a year, and then they worry about getting it insured. It's like, well, if you're right. going to sell it six months or a year, I wouldn't worry about it so much. But I guess it's a good. Mm-hmm. I'll tell them, you know, it's a good idea. I certainly wouldn't send anything without insuring it or signature required if you don't have a policy, because that's just you know, packages are lost. I feel like more than ever. So I mean, it's insane to. Sent, you're taking an incredible risk not shipping something without insurance directly or indirectly. Yeah, you you have to have that really. Good you know, question. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Bob, is there a deductible? Fifty bucks. And for the dealers, we have varying deductibles. Start as low as two hundred up to a couple thousand. But the the average collector we have, they spend a couple hundred dollars a year annually to insure anywhere from from thirty to fifty thousand dollars worth of collectible property. So given the amount they've invested in, in time collecting, it's, it's a small spend for the peace of mind is our, good, is our good, key selling point. Excellent. Uh, you're a collector yourself, aren't you? I am. Yeah. Uh, I actually, if I um, recall, was it comic books? Uh, actually, uh, uh, model trains. The old line. Yes, I cool. I had one of those. Bob yeah. Montgomery was a catcher with us. Every city we'd go to, he'd go to. Like they sell hobby the yeah. Hobby buy a train. Buy trains. At the end of his career, he's thinking of selling it almost two hundred thousand dollars. Oh, I believe that. Unbelievable. Great stuff. Yeah. I believe that. I had see my father cheaped out. I had an American flyer, which was that was like kind of like Avis and I mean it was like kind of the second tier Bob. Is that right? Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That was my old man. He had, you know, oh what the heck? What do you want from me? Uh uh, we are chatting. Oh, your website. I'm sorry. Your website address? Yes, yeah, collectinsure.com, or you can find us, uh, search us online, Collectibles Insurance. Are you going to be at the National this year, or are you going to have a representative at the National? Yes, I will be there this year. Because, uh, we don't, again, we're going to be broadcasting uh, from the Berkus stage, Rico and I, uh, mm-hmm. on the Friday, Friday afternoon of the National. We're going to be doing a two hour show, and we usually bring up a panel uh, for at least an hour to talk about everything there is mm-hmm. to talk about. We'd like to get you up there because I think it's really, really it important. important. A lot of collectors, you'd be surprised how many don't have insurance. And I, I just, I can't, I scratch, I scratch my head. So no, uh, yeah. I'd be happy to. Great. Yeah, great. All right, uh, Steve, your auction ends when? Okay, Wednesday, January 31st. You have to have your bids in by 8 o'clock. So that's Wednesday, January 31st is the last day of the auction. I can't stress, folks, get on the website. He's got some amazing, amazing uh, uh, items on there. And don't forget, folks, really important, don't forget to go to the link and support us for Little Smiles. We really want to do something good for these kids. With that being said, we love you guys. Happy collecting. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.